The problem with the standard if-then kinds of systems is that they are very limited. Now, the standard example given in computer science is recognizing your own mother. And I say, okay, John, could you write for me an algorithm to recognize your mother? And that is impossible to do. So there's something that goes on in our heads that we can't really capture. So this is where a lot of the standard techniques hit a brick wall. Welcome to Management Cast, the IMD show that explores business trends and ideas with some of the sharpest minds in industry. This week, I'm joined by Amit Joshi, and we'll be discussing artificial intelligence. As an award-winning professor of AI, analytics, and marketing strategy at IMD, Amit's worked with leading brands, including UBS, Johnson & Johnson, and Sonova, and is going to explain how AI may change your business. So Amit, it's great to have you on the show. And to kick off, I'd like to start with what may seem like a pretty simple question. What is AI to you? So John, that's a very interesting question, right? You hear all kinds of definitions, you, you speak to people, inevitably conversations when you start talking about AI end up with Skynet or Terminator showing up on the horizon somewhere. To me, AI is a culmination of all the efforts on analytics that we have been making over the years. There's nothing new about analytics per se. We've been using them at least since the 1940s or 50s in the form that you and I are familiar with today. We've been getting better at them. We've been getting more and more sophisticated with them. Now, if you take the standard mathematics, if you take the standard statistics, if you take the standard computer science that you and I are used to, you and I are so familiar with, and you throw into the mix incredible amounts of data and incredible amounts of computing power, both of which we have access to today, what you essentially can do is get the same mathematics and statistics which we have had since the 80s, for example, to do some really, really cool things. And this is what we call artificial intelligence, and more specifically, this is what we call machine learning. So the outcomes of what this delivers is actually very, very cool. They're very impressive. They're almost magical at times. But we have to remember that the technology underlying it, the mathematics, the science underlying it has been known to us for a while. I will not call it commonplace. It's very, very hard science. It's tough mathematics. It's very, very high-end statistics. But nonetheless, this is not a mystery. It's not a rocket science. These things have been known to us for a while. So that's how I look at AI. It is an application of mathematics and science and computers technology to do things, some of which are similar to what the human brain does. Okay, so you mentioned there, Amit, that you know, when people think of AI, their mind immediately goes to some kind of Terminator program, you know, maybe it flies back into the realms of science fiction, the realms of pop culture. Can you just give some examples of what you mean, you know, a non-technical breakdown of how AI is applied in, you know, maybe more of an everyday setting that we might know? So here's the irony about AI, right? I mean, it is today applied in so many everyday settings that it has actually lost its charm, so to speak. It's actually lost its aura. So for example, when we are talking on cell phones on an everyday basis, the way the systems work is 
most of those connections through cell phone towers, they don't perfectly capture all our conversations. That's just too hard. It takes a lot of bandwidth, all kinds of technical issues. It captures most of it, but not all of it. Well, then how do you and I hear each other perfectly well on cell phones? We don't hear each other in a garbled, partial uh, words kinds of way. We hear each other perfectly, like we're speaking to each other face to face. The reason is we use AI to kind of fill in the gaps. And this is happening instantaneously on a continuous basis and you and I don't even notice it. Think about censorship that goes on in the web in places like China, for example. All of those things are happening real time. There is no way that we are going to be able to do that with people sitting there behind. Think about the recommendations that you get, that I get when we are watching Netflix, when we are shopping on Amazon, when we are browsing Facebook or LinkedIn to find new connections. Now, obviously it is absolutely impossible for somebody to manually do this. A lot of the systems behind that use what could be considered artificial intelligence or specifically machine learning to understand our preferences and based on that provide recommendations that the machine thinks we are going to actually opt for. The news that we read, the algorithms behind that often use some form of machine learning for recommendations. So if we start looking around us, we will suddenly start seeing relatively mundane uses of AI all over the place. And that's actually the irony of this. This is a very, very high-end technology. It's a very cool technology, but its applications have become relatively commonplace, which is why people confuse it with something totally out of the box. Before we continue today's episode, I'd love to tell you about another podcast worth checking out, The How-To Academy. Each week, they sit down with a world-leading thinker or cultural icon to explore fresh and exciting ways to change our lives and the world. Across more than 200 episodes, hear from Simon Sinek on business leadership, psychologist Professor Steven Pinker on rationality, and Gloria Steinem on feminism, plus many more. You can find the How To Academy podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Amit, you've mentioned a couple of the sort of well-known applications of AI in the public sphere. So, you know, programs that know how to recommend you the news you might want to read or the videos you might want to watch. But what about in a kind of business to business or a private setting? Are businesses increasingly using AI internally to inform their decision making? So AI is extremely pervasive inside businesses. Across every department, practically, in a lot of companies today, AI is playing at least a small role. In many places, it's playing an absolutely crucial role in the running of the organization. Let me give you some examples, right? Let's start with my area. Let's start with marketing. We've now gotten into things called programmatic advertising, wherein we set up machine learning, we set up algorithms, which can decide where to run your ad, how long to run it, you know, what media it should go on. They even decide sometimes the creative within certain limits, the kinds of creatives that needs to go for the ad. They can then measure if that ad was successful, if you actually clicked on it, if you actually visited my website and purchased something, go back, iterate on their own and serve you better ads next time. So the whole idea of programmatic advertising is makes huge use of machine learning. Let's move to other areas. Let's think about supply chain, optimization of supply chains, optimizations of warehouses, optimizations of route planning for deliveries for drivers on your trucks. 
a huge portion of that is now simply given over to AI. And that has significantly increased efficiencies for folks like FedEx and UPS and the airlines and hotels and retailers whose livelihood depends on small improvements in supply chain. Let's go even deeper. Let's think about areas like HR right? I mean, this is a very, very people-driven area. People are making decisions on hiring and firing and upskilling and things like that. More and more organizations today are using some form of machine learning for help in their recruiting. On the positive side, most of the use of machine learning for recruiting is being done from the perspective of shortlisting. So for example, I have a thousand applications for an entry level position. Till yesterday, I had people physically going through these applications to shortlist candidates. Today, what I can do is I can turn that over to an algorithm which can figure out the best fit between candidate applications and the kinds of job that I'm advertising and give me a ranking saying, hey, look, here's a ranking I think you should consider. So it doesn't really choose candidates, but it can potentially affect the shortlisting. So we can keep going on and on, but if you really think about it, right, the use of AI inside organizations today is quite pervasive. It's deeply embedded across multiple functions of the organization. And, you know, that deep embedding of AI systems across organizations kind of happened overnight. I mean, you've been studying this for a very long time. I mean, when do you think businesses started waking up to AI as an application that was something that could be widely available or more widely available than simply for the few tech companies that are, were the real pioneers of this? This is a very interesting question because this kind of gets to almost the history of AI or, you know, the, the diffusion of AI across organizations. Look, I mean, even back in the 70s and 80s, we had what we call decision support systems, right? I mean, the listeners will perhaps remember times when we had DSS. DSS was a big thing in the 80s, decision support systems. If we really think of that in a very pedagogical, technical way, those were indeed a form of AI. Because at the end of the day, what were they doing? They were using technology, they were using mathematics, statistics, and computer science to help in decision-making, right? So if you really technically want to think of it that way, they were actually AI. If you talk to AI scientists, they will say, yeah, I mean, technically it's a recommendation system, it's providing a recommendation, that is AI. So the big organizations, the organizations that had the resources have been using that for a while. What has changed in the last, I'm gonna say 10 years or so, is two things. Number one is with the democratization of the technique of machine learning, we are now able to do a lot more things, a lot more cool things, a lot more practical things that were simply not possible till yesterday. Secondly, as the machine learning technology has gotten more and more understood as it has gotten democratized. This has meant that even small organizations, even little startups with two people and a very small set of resources can now afford to use this technique to serve customers. With the old decision support systems, this was much harder because this required massive systems and massive mainframes, computers, lots of data scientists running it. Today, you know, you can have the prototypical two people and a dog and the people could be running very high-end machine learning to deliver some really cool solutions for customers. So what has happened today is we've got much deeper techniques, we've got much more powerful techniques, which are 
amazingly, much more widely available for organizations to apply. And Amit, just so that we're clear on this, uh, people throw around terms like AI, machine learning, a lot these days. And, you know, frankly speaking, I think there's a lot of people who might not fully understand the difference between these terms. Can you go through and define for us a few of the differences here? So, you know, I, I do hear the terms AI, machine learning, deep learning being used interchangeably. What's important to understand, especially for businesses who are looking to implement this, is that these terms are related, but they're not interchangeable, right? So AI is a general idea. AI is an idea of machines that can do human-like things, machines that can learn, machines that can make recommendations, machines that can, you know, in some ways think or understand. And something we need to understand is we are nowhere close to real AI, right? But we'll touch upon that later. There are many techniques that we have to try and achieve this thing that we call AI. Like we mentioned previously, one of the things that we were trying to use in the 70s and 80s was decision support systems, wherein I as a programmer go in and create essentially a set of if-then statements, right? If this particular truck is delayed, then I get the supply from a different warehouse. If there is a storm approaching this particular city, then I divert the planes to a different airport. It was classic if-then statements, the kinds that you and I might have written when we wrote computer programs as kids or something like that. And that was AI for the day. The problem with the standard if-then kinds of systems is that they are very limited. They are very limited and they depend on us being able to explain to the computer what it should do. Now, the standard example given in computer science, which goes counter to this particular application, is recognizing your own mother, right? So if I come to any of you, I come to you, John, and I say, hey, John, do you recognize your own mother? I'll say, okay, that's a weird question. Why are you asking me that? Of course I can recognize my own mother, right? I mean, little babies when they're born recognize their mothers. And I say, okay, John, then could you write for me an algorithm to recognize your mother? And that is impossible to do. No one can write an algorithm to recognize their mother or ride a bicycle or swim. I mean, you can write something, but no one's going to read that and learn how to swim. So there's something that goes on in our heads that we can't really capture. And if we can't really capture using standard techniques, how can we ever tell a computer how to do it? So this is where a lot of the standard techniques hit a brick wall. And in the 80s, a bunch of folks in, in the University of Toronto came up with a new technique which now has evolved into machine learning which was a brilliant solution to this, where they basically said, hey, look, instead of telling the computer exactly what to do, can we simply provide it with lots and lots of examples? So I don't need you to tell me how to recognize your mother. I just need you to show me lots of pictures of your mother. And as a computer, I can then figure out what, my, what your mother looks like. That is machine learning. So machines learn based on examples that we give it. Within machine learning, there are many different algorithms or sets of algorithms. One of those is called the deep learning algorithm. So just to put the whole picture together, deep learning is a set of algorithms within one technique, which is machine learning, which is just one of many techniques that we have to try and achieve this thing that we call AI. Having said that, the last decade or so, Machine learning has proven to be exceptionally powerful at delivering business results, which is why it's the most commonly used, the best understood, and the most widely diffused technique in business. Wow, and that availability gives businesses much more of an opportunity to bring it in. And in episode two, actually, Amit, we'll be covering that, how you can bring 
AI into your organization, what kind of businesses would benefit most from it, and how you can be a pioneer within your own industry. Ahmed, I wanted to uh, just say thank you for coming to join us this you can week. Search for us thank you, John, for having me. It was for more a to read, you can go to I by IMD Online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry, written by experts for experts.